Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm your host, Anka Corbin, the founder and CEO of Globig. So today's hot topic is all about successfully doing business in China. So this is segment two of a three-part series where we're just exploring employment law and hiring options in China. Our guest today is Robert Goris from Sovereign China Limited. So Sovereign China Limited has offices around the world and they accelerate international clients' ability to understand and operate in the China market. They've successfully assisted over 600 companies from over 50 countries with their China market entry. Robert, welcome to the Globig Podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be there again. So everyone, go to segment one to hear all about Robert's fantastic experience in China. Um, we're going to jump right into the Q&A here. So when, you know, a lot of companies first decide when they go to China, they're going to hire a salesperson or maybe that company evangelist, maybe a sales engineer. And before they really think about a full China strategy, Sometimes they do this through a global employer of record or PEO organizations, and other times they do it in other creative in creative ways before they even set up a business entity. But what are some of the really important aspects of having employees or having people work in China that companies really should be aware of? I think with... Um... That's a very interesting question because I think one one of the points you mentioned already and is where um, I always try to pick up on is creative ways of doing things. Um, people always have, I think companies coming to China, they're always looking for creative thing, ways to doing things. Uh, but in many cases, almost in all cases, creative ways of doing things are always illegal. Um, for example, um, as you said, like people, uh, if they uh, want to hire a salesperson in China, um, you can you cannot have you as a company cannot have an employee if you don't have an uh, an entity here. So um, if you if you make a contract from your headquarters in the U.S. with a with an individual here and you say you're going to work for my country uh, for my uh, company, that's an illegal uh, work relationship. So uh, people, uh, when you say, oh, it's a, it's a creative way, I'm going to pay this person uh, on a monthly basis and it's going to be fine. And later we will, uh, we will arrange this. In, in, in basically, that's, that's not, a, uh, that's not an unofficial working um, relationship with, with that person. You can um, hire people through third parties, but that's not always, hey, in the end, this, this person will work for you and not for the third party. So there you need to be very, very um, careful with thinking of creative ways. And many people uh, it's many people in China or many companies coming to China do it in this way. Um, it's not uncommon, um, but we always say like, you need to, uh, you need to be uh, understanding like how much risk you want to, want to take as a company. Are you comfortable with this risk? If the answer is yes, please go ahead. If the answer is no, then you should uh, make other steps and set up your company first before actually uh, entering China and hiring people. 
You know, one of the things you mentioned was the having a contract. You know, it's not always common everywhere to actually have employment contracts. So, and then what are the one, what are the risks of not having one? And what are, what are some of the things that could happen with this? You know, you had mentioned there's a lot of risk associated in not really doing it the legal way. What might some of those risks be? Um, I think one of the, one of the very simple um, thing is, is, is if at one point the relationship with this um, so-called employee um, doesn't um, go as you have planned and you want to uh, fire him or her or end the relationship, this person can go to court and say, right, uh, I, um, I, had a, I had a contract and then the Chinese government will probably um, see it as a, as a working relationship, but not in your benefit. Um, he will, he or she will then get compensation, um, get more uh, money from you, and you're in a very bad position because you cannot really defend yourself because you were wrong in the first instance. I think these are, I think this is the most striking example what has happened in the past or what can happen. And it's not just a short-term compensation. It's actually a really long-term compensation, right? You may end up having to continue to pay this person for years. Yes, that's very, uh, very possible. Of course, depends on many, many, um, uh, many different elements. But um, it's clearly you don't have a very strong uh, position. Huh? Um, I will be honest. I'm not a I'm not a specific uh, labor or um, employment law lawyer, but we have seen a lot of experience or have a lot of seen a lot of cases with this. But by doing it this way, um, you're not having a very strong position in um, court, and it will def uh, it will depend on your lawyer here how good you can defend yourself. But you're definitely one zero behind. Right? Can foreign companies? hire locals or do they have to be low you know have an entity and have a, a local presence to, as, I, as i said as to officially hire uh, a chinese national from for your company you need to have a local entity here this can be uh, a woofy representative office um i think we will go into the structures i think in the in the in the second uh, podcast uh in the third podcast sorry um, so, but you need to have a legal entity here to actually hire people working for your company. Is it advisable to bring over one of your own employees as a manager to kind of, you know, to bring culture and things like that from the company or, or is it really critical that you hire locally? This is a topic that has been endless, endlessly debated and certain people uh, feel that you should be completely local from the beginning. Other people say, no, you should have only foreign management staff. Um, this is often discussed uh, during dinners or in the bars because it's, 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 people have very different thoughts about this. It's our view that um, you should at least have in the beginning um, foreign staff here or a manager or as I said somebody who believes in China coming from the headquarters to um, bring over indeed as you said culture working processes work ethics 
what do we do, what don't we do, and how do we do certain things. Um, and um, in, in the end, eh, also train the local staff and at one point maybe take over that the local staff um, takes over more and more responsibilities in the company. However, I, you should always have a close eye on what's happening in, uh, in your operation in China. Eh? It's, you, not, you should not just at one point give it to the local staff and do and just once every time look at the, the PL and see if it all looks well and then never really come here. So it's um, so yes, I think you should bring people over in the beginning. Two, you should train your local staff. And in the end, um, it is a combination of local and uh, foreign stuff, but that's mostly about your strategic decision as a company. Yeah, we talked a little bit about some of the reasons to do it legally, but what are some of the penalties for non-compliance for employment regulations? Um, for example, if you I think if you don't pay over time, um, then um, you sh uh, the fine would be paying three times that money. Um, if you um, hire or if you fire somebody uh, with a, not a very good reason, they could uh, triple the severance payments, for example. Um, many different, it's, it's just an expensive thing um, if you don't do it correctly. And um, there are some key things you should have in place. Um, when you hire somebody, for example, a simple thing, a contract should be there. We still see a lot of people that don't have contracts in place. Uh, the contract should have certain um, job description, working conditions, compensation, what are termination, what are the termination rules. But another important document that many people forget is the employee handbook. In the employment handbook, there are um, described policies, procedures, um, how you do certain things in the company, how you um, deal with sensitive data, um, how you deal with um, comp uh, client information, um, what is the working time. Um, and if you don't give this to your employee and the employee doesn't sign for having seen it or have re having received it, that's already an issue. So it's, it's these small things in the end that you need to think about. Um, that are not very, in the end, that are not very expensive, not very uh, difficult, but are small details that in China are very, very important. Who usually does those contracts? Is that a, like an, an employment law person? Is that an HR professional? What, what's the process for getting that information? So we always advise to have a, a lawyer um, very um, known for um, his, uh, his employment knowledge of China and also um, take a lawyer that is known in the region where you hire the person uh, because, as I said, China is very fragmented. The law in Shanghai is different than the law in Beijing or the law in Chengdu is also different. So it's, there are definitely some local adaptation to uh, the employment law you should consider. So that's why I eh, find somebody uh, or um, yeah, hire somebody locally is able to make that uh, contract for you. 
and then have yeah, have your HR people making very secure that these uh, that the contract is signed, that the employment handbook is um, received and signed for, and um, that all the necessary uh, documents are uh, in place and are up to date in their employee, employment file. So that's one of the things I think China is also unique for, is that every uh, employee has an employment file that you should keep at your company and which also is sometimes shared with, uh, with the government on request. So these are the things you need to have in place. Oh, that's very interesting. So do the Chinese like working for foreign companies? Is this... Um is you know how hard is it to be an attractive company to someone you know what's the recruiting landscape like for for foreign companies that's also a discussion that's always heavily debated some people say you know people want chinese people want to work for foreign companies because they have an international presence and they um have maybe the opportunity to go abroad um but we i also have seen many um, uh, many people prefer to go to work for state-owned enterprises because it's much more secure. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the workload is less. Um, you can, uh, with, a, with an SOE, when you are um, working there, the chances that you will go or that you are fired is very small. And then maybe in foreign companies, the risk is higher. So I think that's it, that has shifted also in the in the eight years I've been here. In the beginning, people were very, people always said, yeah, I want to work for a foreign company. Now, uh, people are working, wants to work more for maybe SOEs. But I think the new thing is definitely that everybody wants to set up a startup. Uh, mm-hmm. Every young person wants to set up his own business. So that becomes very difficult for companies, not only foreign companies, but also Chinese companies, to hire um, good staff, or and good staff means competent, uh, correct uh, uh, work ethics, uh, taking responsibilities, and just people uh, that are willing to commit to your um, company. Um, so it's very competitive. Um, employees quickly change one position to the other um, for a very minimum uh, pay raise. So it's very difficult to to um, to keep them. So it's actually a really competitive environment, right? And just like here and pretty much everywhere right now where startups are hot. And But but do you find that, so the youth is more risk tolerance, but what about more risk tolerant, but what about the people in general? Do you find that they're pretty risk tolerant of startups? Um, I think if you, um, if you describe a, a company coming from the US to setting up here, of course it's in China, it's a startup, but um maybe in, in the us it has existed for many many years um i think it's it's not um having the startup um uh, stigma is not directly something that is bad or or um or good um i think the the, the startup thing is more on, on young people that they want to make a big uh, they want to make a, a quick buck and uh because the Chinese government has promoted having startups very um, heavily. If you really, if we move the discussion back to finding staff for your uh, company, it is just very difficult. It's also very, it's not cheap anymore. Eh? People always think that China is a, is a place that is cheap, and especially when it comes to for employment, it's not cheap. Definitely not, definitely not in in, in cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu. If you of course go to into more 
uh, more uh, less developed places, it is uh, probably cheaper. But do you get the same um, skills uh, mm -hmm. you would need for your company? So hey, if you if you're looking for manufacturing, uh, maybe don't put your manufacturing in Beijing because it's much too expensive. But if you want to have some um, R&D, high-tech uh, R&D, maybe it's better to put it in, in a, in a, in a first-tier city close to a, a good university because that's where you find, will find the right people. So again, China is very big and it really depends on what you're looking for. Right, absolutely. What are the processes for finding employees? Are they similar to other countries where you hire a recruiter or are there unique ways of finding good employees no i don't think that there's a there's a unique way and of course we have recruitment firms um what we always advise is when you hire a recruitment firm is that you ask for at least that the, that the employee needs to employee needs to stay at least six months and have you leaves before six months you get your money back <laughs> uh, that's a that's a china maybe that's a china thing uh, but there are also just websites where you can post your application uh, and ask uh, for people in your network to ask to find um, find good stuff. And I think when you have um, when you find good stuff, um, it is important. Or when you have an applicant, it is important to refer to do a reference check. Ask the employee for a reference and check that. Uh, because I think that 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 can um, give a lot of information on what kind of uh, what kind of employee or what kind of candidate you have in front of you. And I don't think it don't think it's it's a specific, very different than in other places. But I think it's just very competitive here or very difficult to to find uh, good stuff. Right? Can you do the normal like here? You can do background checks and you can check their credit history and whether you know if they have any sort of a criminal record. Can you do the same thing in China? No, because it's it's because investigation because the, the investigation is only allowed by the by by the police, and you can do a reference check calling their previous employee, but you couldn't check their credit rating. Or you couldn't go for uh, you couldn't check it by yourself. You can maybe ask, but I think uh, you cannot. I don't think you have the same freedoms as you have, for example, in the U.S. Mm, I was wondering about that. Right, absolutely. So, when what are some unique employee expectations that are different from other countries? So, when you do hire someone, what do you know? What do they anticipate? What do they expect from the companies? Are there some interesting things? Yeah, I think that's a difficult. Uh, I think that's a difficult question for me because I've only worked in China. Um, I have all my professional career in China, so uh, the things that my Chinese uh, staff or Chinese colleagues or other people ask me, I, 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 I maybe view as normal that are maybe difference mm. in the US but I think one of the th one of the key things that are I think um, what what I what I didn't expect is that for example um, lunch breaks are very long here in the Netherlands you have a uh, I'm from the Netherlands and in the Netherlands you have a, a lunch break of a half a half an hour maybe and here in China one and a half hour sometimes two hours and I was really I was really uh, surprised um, with that, and I also have a, a, a case where um, 
Chinese um, staff um, took their own uh, bed to the office and had a bed set up under her table. And during lunch, she went for sleeping for an hour. Um, these are the things that I, um, it's not, I don't, I don't say that it's, that it's bad. It's mm -hmm. just different. Right. Um, so I, I think it's, um, that's why I find it a little bit difficult to answer the question because I don't know how, what the expectations of people in the US are when they work there. Right. Any thoughts on how people can get more information about some of these characteristics and, and hiring in China? And I, I obviously there's so much more. We're not even going to be able to touch um, taxes and you know things like that. But there's lots of unique variables. Yeah, on, on the, I think on the on the taxes, of course, there are also for foreign staff or local staff, there are different regulations. And again, these regulations are different per region, per city. Um, uh, more information is also in our uh, market entry uh, handbook, what we also mentioned in the last uh, podcast on taxation. Um, information on um, different uh, expectations from employees. Speak to, um, when you're in China, speak to other people in, um, in your industry. And there's, uh, if you come here, uh, if you set up your uh, company in China, there are many activities, either your embassy or your chamber of commerce, where you can speak to um, similar companies and discuss with them what, 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 they, what they do, what do they feel as normal, what are the expectations they see um, are uh, currently uh, requested from the, the Chinese employees. And this is important because it does change very quickly in China. Eh? What was normal last year may not be normal this year. Um, and that's why that discussion between or amongst um, companies is important to have a better sense of what's happening. Right, absolutely. And we'll put all of these resources and, and you know, especially we had mentioned this a few times, the market entry ebook that you have, which is a really fantastic resource. We'll want to make sure that everyone knows about that. We'll put that on the website too. So Robert, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure that you all listen to segment one of the series as well as um, segment three that we'll be recording soon uh, to, for successfully doing business in China. And don't forget to visit globig.co for your online international expansion headquarters for abundance of free resources, training, planning tools, and vetted experts around the world. This is Anka Corbin. Thank you.